What's up, everyone? My name is Tim Stoddart. Welcome to Sober Nation FM. For those of you who are tuning into this podcast, expecting to hear the next episode of Tim Stodd's FM, I have a very pleasant and exciting surprise. We have converted the Tim Stodd's FM show into a new kind of podcast, a podcast in which I talk about a subject matter that is very important to me, is very important to the world we live in, and important to many of the people that we know and love. And that subject matter is recovery. Recovery from all types of addictions, all the obsessive behavior, compulsive behavior that uh, many of us listening to this have struggled with. Most people uh, will feel most familiar with drug and alcohol addiction. There's obviously other kinds of addiction. And over the course of this podcast, I hope that that we will touch on all of those subjects. And what we're doing is we're looking for stories of success. We're looking for stories of recovery. And we're trying to paint examples of how good life can actually be. Because for people who have experienced addiction, you know what it feels like. You know, it's like the ultimate low. It's the ultimate bottom. It's the worst you can ever feel about yourself. And when you're in that state, there's a, there's a real strong feeling of hopelessness. And when I work with other men, especially, but other people, when I work with other people and I talk about that feeling of hopelessness, I find that if you can share with them some examples of other people who have felt that way before, who have felt that hopelessness before, and have made it through the other end and are now living amazing lives full of abundance and full of love and you know full of wealth in many cases. I think it's a, a, a really important example to set. So with that, my first guest on the Sober Nation podcast is Omar Pinto. Omar is the host of what is probably the biggest recovery podcast out there. It's called The Share Podcast. It's spelled S-H-A-I-R, The Share Podcast with Omar Pinto. Omar and I have known each other for about four years. I've been following his podcast really closely. I've always been an admirer of his work. And uh, I'm thrilled to see how far he's come. And I know that you will be thrilled to hear his message because he brings just such positivity and... uh, such like a message of hope, and he truly is one of those examples that I'm trying to convey in this show. So with that, let's get right into it. I really, really hope you enjoy this podcast. Please leave us a rating. Please subscribe on iTunes. It's the best thing you can do to support us. Without any further ado, Omar Pinto. Omar, we are recording. (laughs) What's up, my brother? (laughs) Nothing. Let me first say that... um, that you and I, I guess, probably were first introduced to each other like two, probably closer to three years ago. God, maybe even four. I don't even remember. And um, four. Yeah, four. And I know when you first started your podcast, you had um, some dreams and like some places that you wanted to take it. And I know that you and I haven't really uh, been like in direct communication every day since then, but I've been checking your site at least once a week uh, in that time. And I've seen like, 
how far you've come and how your podcast and your community have grown and uh, all the places that you've taken it. So I, uh, I don't mean to kind of fluff you up before we get started, but like, I really just wanted to say like, congratulations, man. Like you've, you've done a ton of work and you've been consistent, which I think is probably the hardest part with it's podcasting, hard. you know, because you, uh, yeah, record those episodes that you feel good about. And sometimes you launch them. It's like, man, it didn't get the response it wanted. And I know that feeling. It can be like really disheartening, but, but you stuck it out, man. I'm like really happy for you and proud of you. Well, thank you, Tim. And, sure. and, and really, I could say the same about you. I mean, this is what we do. Yeah. The way I stay motivated is just kind of look around and go, well, you know, for example, Tim's still cranking it out and Paul's still cranking it out. And, you know, Shane's still cranking it out. And so it, there's those moments where it's like, am I doing the right thing? Right. Is, 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 should I be going in a different direction? Right. And then I, I remember that I started this thing for a reason. It, and, and it started and it, and it started to grow and it started impacting people's lives. And so there was a lot of different clues that kept, kept just kept telling me, just keep moving, man. Just keep moving forward. You're on the right track. And it's true. It's guys like you where I would see something new come up. Mm -hmm. Same thing. I watch. I get an email. I'm like, Tim's got something else going on. <laughs> <laughs> live and in person and still killing it so yeah i think we do the same brother thank you and um you know on that note for people listening i guess i did a terrible job kind of introducing it but this is the first episode of the sober nation podcast that i'm recording um i've had my own podcast i called it Tim Stodd's FM. And it was probably a little bit more, you know, like online marketing, a little bit more entrepreneurial mindset. And recently, I don't know what has been happening or what the calling has been, but I've felt really, really disconnected from just that spirit of like talking to other people in recovery and just being involved in that community. And, uh, it was sometimes maybe you could say I got burned out from it. I'm not really sure. I think my priorities shifted really what I think it is. It was just like a next stage in my journey, which is ultimately like bringing me back to the thing that makes me feel whole, you know, which is talking to people about recovery. But, um, but I say that as like a, 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 predi a predicate, a predication to what I really hope that this show will be about. And what I hope to do is find like success stories of recovery. And with that is obviously going to be like some stories of, uh, you know, some bad times and some lessons learned. And obviously that comes with it. But really what I'm looking for is to find that spot where people had that moment where their lives really started to turn. And we started living these like great idealistic fulfilling lives that so many people in recovery talk about. And I know that they're true because I talk to these people every day. Yes. And, um, and so I guess to start out and I'll just kind of leave it open-ended is I, I want to know not just, you know, like what it means to be sober and helping other people and living life as a sober man, but like in terms of your life and your fulfillment, what is it that your recovery has given you that like you didn't necessarily expect. Wow. 
talk about an open-ended question that has yeah. avalanches, <laughs> avalanches of wins and success and gratitude and fulfillment. Because really, and it's funny because it getting back, like you said, this is the first Sober Nation podcast. I want to get back to my roots. I want to get back to my recovery. And it's funny because I was thinking that this was going to be more entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial in focus because that's who I've watched you become. Yeah. Watched you become this very successful entrepreneur and recovery has given you that and recovery has given me the opportunity to do the same. There's so many things that you can do in your life once you've crossed that barrier of that thing that was holding you back, for us, it was the alcohol or it was the drugs or whatever, you know, that numbing agent that disconnected us from the rest of humanity because we just couldn't cope. And then we get that out of the way and we get sobriety and then all these doors start to open. And so for me, what started to happen is the podcast allowed me to recognize some of my strongest gifts and talents. Some of, you know, my abilities that were just not being exploited in school. I could not connect in school. I could not connect with other peers, right? I was just kind of weird growing up. And, 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 I, and I, it, it, as hard as that is it. to believe. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> just <laughs> weird. <laughs> it was just tough time making friends this whole thing. I didn't know who I was, man. And recovery gave me the opportunity to really tap into who I am, what my qualities are. And then boom, with that comes my beautiful marriage. Once I figured out who I was, what qualities I had, what my values were, what I brought into the world, what I brought into my community. The next thing you know, man, I, I'm, I'm meeting this amazing woman. We've yeah. been married now for five years super, super happy. It's been like effortless. Right? I launched a coaching practice as, as a, as a spinoff to recovery because I recognized that I had this gift. I had this, this very intuitive nature about myself to be able to really read people and understand when they were talking, I knew the place it was coming from. And I would zero in on that and they would be like, oh my God, it's like you're in my head. Sure. And that's where the shift started to happen. So, I mean, like, I mean, asking me a question like that is like, holy cow, we don't have enough time on this podcast to go into all the amazing things. And, like, and so, I cut it short, I'm an entrepreneur now. I am coaching from home. I've got a thriving business. The podcast is kicking ass, right? The, the Facebook group has grown. And my friends, my community, my family – Every, I live in absolute abundance. And when, when I say that word, it's not, not for, for some people, it could mean lots of things. But for me, it's an abundance of like everything. Sure. And it's family, it's community, it's contribution, it's happiness, it's fulfillment, it's all of it. I really think you nailed, I, I, I think you nailed it because coming into this podcast with such kind of like an open-ended forum in my mind, you know, um, I feel like it's kind of one of those conversations that you can only really open up to somebody like you and, you know, plenty of other examples in my life of people that I've come across where like, 
you get it. Like, sure, you got sobriety and you got recovery, which within itself is a real blessing, you know, but so I, I was, I was talking to my, to Juliana, my fiance over dinner the other night, and I was telling her a lot of the same feelings that I just told you about, like some of this, this disconnect and like this longing to be a little bit uh, connected again. And really what it came down to is like my recovery and the process of recovery taught me so much more than just how to not drink and like how to not get high. Like it gave me a lot of problem solving tools for life. Yes. It gave me a lot of, um, it gave me a lot of tools to like control my emotions in stressful situations, which I think is something that like, I'm pretty critical of myself sometimes, but I think that's a positive of me. Like I can, I can handle myself under like pressure and situations. And it's, it's been so much more than just not drinking and not drugging a day at a time. And I'm clear that that's the first thing because if I screw that up, then I screw everything else up, you know? But Fair enough. Even with that, there's just been so much more that has been brought into my life because of the fact that I was able to gain recovery and I was able to kind of live a life of spiritual principles. Um, so, yeah, like, what a relief that you understand where I'm coming from. Absolutely. You know, that, sure, it's great to to be sober and it feels good to not be controlled by substances or whatever. But at the same time, like there's other types of fulfillment that come from it, which I really want to like show people that yes, that thing that you have that you stay up at night thinking about, like you really can get that and it's, it's a process and you got to work towards it. But you know, like I think you're a shining example of that. And I, I think, I think I kind of am too, you know? Absolutely. I'm really sorry. My dog busted in the office. She she figured out how to jump on the door and knock the handle down and open doors. So like as I'm talking, look, genius, buddy. <laughs> oh, she's beautiful. Yeah, Aww. she's cool. That's Alice. Um, she so looks me, so sweet. Let me get her. Let me get her back out of the office for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I locked the door this time. Okay, smart move. Yeah, so um so on that note, now that I got all of my thoughts and uh all of my mental and emotional turmoil kind of out of the way, you um you mentioned your relationship with your wife and I was glad that you started that way because I think the word abundance is a really good description of how I feel a lot and most importantly, I feel like a real abundance of, uh, I guess love is probably the word. I feel an abundance of like appreciation. I know that people value me. Can you relate to that at all? Yes, there is. When we talk about abundance or I talk about abundance, I'll speak from, for myself. Sure. And I think about wealth. I think about abundance. I think about wealth. There's a few factors. The most important thing for me is something that I've discovered that is irreplaceable it is top of my priority lists and that's time yeah I'm, i can't save it i can't get it back i can't stop it it's just this never ending momentum that is 
for everyone. And, and for some people, it's a crippling thing. And for others, it's, it's like for me, it's a reminder that every moment that I'm awake is precious time, is precious moments. And so if I don't use it wisely, then eventually I'm going to have to use it to actually fix things, to make amends, to catch up, to try and catch up which is impossible because once it's gone, it's gone. Mm -hmm. So there is this idea of abundance of time, abundance of wealth, right? Or wealth in itself of time, of love, of money, of resources. And when it comes to, when it, when it comes to like really weighing or, or, or appreciating that time is who are you spending that time with? And like, for example, with my wife, like we have a schedule. We have an actual schedule that is our time. We have certain days of the week that we, you know, make breakfast together. We hang out together. It's, it's actually pretty, it's probably about five times a week that we have real specific times. The rest of the times we're, we're together and we can be hanging out. But it's that whole, and I'm, I'm guilty of this occasionally, is not having the phone around. Okay. So again, if I am not present, if I am not being, if I'm not using that time valuably, then I'm wasting that time. I'm wasting that abundance that I, that I have. And, and there's always time for business. There's always time to make money. There's always time to do whatever I have to do in the podcast. But if I forget why I'm doing it all, yeah. then what's it all for? Yeah. It almost hurts in a way when totally, dude. you ask yourself that question and you realize that like you're prioritizing all of your energy and all your time into some shit that at the end of the day, when you look back at it all, you know, like, is that the thing that, that really matters? Like when that stuff happens to me and I'm a human and everybody listening to this can relate to that moment, you know, it happens to us all, but there's like painful moments where like you just, you know what? You know what recovery has has also given me is just the absolute inability to bullshit myself. Because once you go through the process, you know, like you can look yourself in the face and you can say, God, this really, really sucks. But like I've been misusing my time. I've been misusing whatever it is. And you gotta like come to terms with that kind of thing. Um it's called an immense. Yeah. I'm sorry, what'd you say? It's called an amends. Of course. It, it's, it's called an amends, yeah. You, uh, you, you mentioned your phone, and I'm kind of glad that you did because as somebody that I, I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of like obsession and, and compulsive thinking and stuff like that, I've never seen something like suck away people's lives in the way that, that phones have these days. I'm like... I'm almost at a point where I'm, I'm starting to see such correlations between like addiction to other stuff and addiction to phones. I know that's like a real sidebar, but it's something that I've been thinking of a whole lot. Where, where do you think that plays a role in like, you know, controlling people's times and happiness? It's the furthest thing from a sidebar. It is research, deliberate research and mm -hmm. understanding of how dopamine plays such an important role in our lives sure. and all the little pinging and notifications 
and little red dots and little red just, dots, man. That's what it is. Ooh, somebody likes me. Yes. The liking and the red, it's this constant dopamine hit that I get. And it's very, very, very strategic. The algorithms that they run based on how you use your phone, things will pop up. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just the, it's a constant, it's designed to maintain and, um, and trigger addiction. That's what it, that's what the phone today is. I can't, I can't leave the house. Like before it was like, oh, where's my watch? Got my wallet. Now, now it's wallet, watch, keys, phone. I can't get, I couldn't get a, a block away from my house without, re- oh, I don't have my phone because I'm plugging panic. into a podcast. Yeah, absolute <laughs> panic. The thought of not having my phone is crippling. Yeah. It's, so yes, it, it's, it's there. It's very real. I've gotten to the point where I hate it. Um, I, I, the notifications drive me nuts. I've got them all shut down. I don't want to hear it. I don't even engage as much. I try and avoid, I have this huge community and I'm not as engaging as much as one would think in, in my own community but it's the because the notifications come in so often, so many, so much. It just feels as though this obligate it's it's turned into an obligation. And as soon as it, as soon as that stops being fun, and as soon as it stops being, um, you know, oh how cool this is that people are actually following me. Oh yeah. look how cool this is! I have like a hundred downloads. Oh look how cool this is! There's like two hundred people in my Facebook group. Yeah. When that shifts. And you're getting emails, PMs, notifications, and it's just nonstop. After a while, it just becomes completely overwhelming. How do I manage all this? And what, what do I do? You know, I need help kind of a thing. I'm so glad that you mentioned that. And uh, I'll say again, thank you so much for doing this first episode with me as I kind of like stumble through a little bit of the format. But um, that, what you're talking about right there, was such a big factor in me kind of stepping away from a little bit of like the, you know, the face and the voice of sobriety. And I really mean that. I actually deleted my own personal Facebook account. Um, I had to kind of make like a little dummy one just because as I'm sure you know, like Sobernation is a Facebook page, you know, and you Mm -hmm. need like a personal profile to be like an admin of the page. So I needed to do that. But, um, but it was exactly what you're talking about where, you, you had a real hard time. I did. I had a real hard time kind of separating, um, enjoying the community and feeling like, you know, I was just obligated to always be there and always respond and like always be on notice. And, uh, my, my sponsor, um, it's, I don't know, it's kind of more like a mentor to me at this point, I guess it's sort of the same thing, but, uh, he, he always has balance coming back into my life because I can be a little bit of an obsessive person and uh, it's done me well to an extent, but you know, any, he always reminds me that anytime you're doing something, anytime you're saying yes to something, you're also saying no to something else. Absolutely. That kind of, you never ever quite get it right, but it's the point. It's the always like readjustment and always like realigning to try my best to sort of stay in balance where I'm fulfilling obligations that I've made commitments to, 
I'm, uh, you know, fulfilling my relationships. I'm fulfilling like my own health physically and spiritually and mentally. And I, I really, really, really think that like without recovery and without a uh, sort of understanding of something bigger than myself, it would, I wouldn't be able to do that. No, for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's undervalued, right? The, the, absolutely. The, the recovery, the 12 step model being in recovery is really undervalued. And the, when you look at the statistics and the people that are recovering versus the people that are not, it's mind blowing to see how something that's so beautifully put together, yeah. so easy to follow is, is, has such a small success rate. And so when you look at that, and at least for me, I recognize a lot of it has to do with the language. It has to do with some of the rigidity. It has to do with some dogma. It has to do with some judgment. It has to do with some things that correlate. What triggers people in many cases is this idea of some sort of cultish, sort of religious, sort of organization. Yeah. Right? So... And, and, and because there's no flexibility within it, there's no question about it. You have to take that into account when you look at the, no, no, the low numbers of success. But for those of you listening, if you, can, if you can find a room, if you can find a fellowship that allows you some flexibility, allows you to communicate effectively with your sponsor, and Find a way to create a middle ground. If you work these steps the way we have, your life is going to change dramatically. Yeah. Dramatically. So if, if you look at it in that, in that context, I'll also tell you that once you're done, you can do whatever you want. You don't have to be tied to the obligation or to the idea that for the rest of my life, I am going to be an alcoholic or an addict. As a matter of fact, as I shift into personal development, one of the, one of the key coaching strategies is to get people from having that negative mindset because so many of us walk around with this idea that, oh, I could never do that. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, that's too much for me. Oh, that's so, oh, it's too late. It's, I mean, all of this, it's, it's, and if, if I'm able to just kind of tell you and just kind of clean the same energy and effort it takes for you to have that dialogue, the same energy and effort you can have to say, you know what? Look what he's doing. Yeah. I wonder if I could do that. I wonder what I would have to do to get that done. I could probably do that. I'm smart enough. I'm confident enough. I'm savvy enough. Now, all of a sudden, it's a different dialogue, same amount of time. And when we think about what we say after I am, it becomes truth. And so I start to kind of like when I went to Minnesota Recovery and got certified as a peer recovery specialist, the language changed. I was no longer an alcoholic and I was no longer an addict because if I walk into a room, I am an addict and I'm saying it every single day, I'm reaffirming something. If I say I am a person in long-term recovery, I remove all the negativity from it. I focus specifically on the component that has changed my life. And so there's all this, again, what we're talking about here is simply language. 
but it's that language that keeps people from coming in. If you can detach yourself from the language, get what you need from it, then you can just, what's next? What can I do next to enhance the quality of my life so that I can contribute on a grander scale, on a bigger level in the game of life? I love everything you just said. I want to ask in your experience with working with clients, what do you think is the biggest contributing factor to people getting stuck? Well, it's those, it's those items. It's those items because I usually ask. If somebody comes to me because they want to be coached and I go, well, you know, I charge $1,500 for a package, okay? So here's a $1,500 package that is going to take you eight weeks, or we do a 12-week package, which is about $2,300. So this is a free consultation. My number one question to you is, with all these different modalities out there that are absolutely free, that this is how I got clean and sober, I got to know, what is the motivation to seek me out? Right? And in many cases, it's like, dude, I tried. That's always, I tried. I couldn't connect, wow. right? I'm, I'm an atheist or I couldn't connect with the language or you know, my sponsor. I tried different sponsors. So there is this in, I would say, there's, there's a few factors. Number one, it takes time, bro. We're... <laughs> We want, there's a reason why we're addicts and alcoholics. Oh, pop the pill. Boom. Snort the line. Boom. Drink the drink. Boom. How can we shorten this up? Yeah. You know, like they, they're telling me they're hoping, they're wishing for a, they're, they're telling me, I hope and pray that you have a slow and, and gradual recovery or something like that. And it's like, why is it going to take so long? And 90 meetings in 90 days, and I have to get a sponsor, and I have to work it this way, and I have to do it that way. And we in general, oh, my God, we started doing drugs because of those things, because there was people telling us what to do, and we didn't want to do, and we wanted to go against the system. And so there, there's, so there's the time frame. My, there's the step work. So I actually have to do this, this, this work right? And I have to get spiritual and I have to get in touch with a higher power and then I have to surrender and I have to be powerless and yada, 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 yada. And I go, okay, okay. So I get it. You don't like it. It's not, it's not working for you. Right? And so what happens is what I do is nothing that has anything to do with a higher power has nothing to do with steps. It has nothing to do with anything that I've learned in traditional recovery. What I discovered, even in myself, when I started getting coached myself, is that I had these underlying limiting beliefs about myself wow. that were crushing me. I still had these, this, this incredible emotional trauma from childhood that would get triggered. Now, I had different ways of coping with it, the fourth step definitely makes the big, allowed me to make a big dent in that. The ninth step allowed me to make a big dent in that. But still, man, there was some dad issues in there that were still crushing me. And when I cleared those up, 
I immediately just felt all this weight come off of me. And I said, this is what people who have, this is what they need. They need to be able to identify the childhood trauma. It's usually somewhere between five years, the ages of five and 20. Some event happened in their lives that, that caused them to make a decision and that decision formulated a belief system. And year after year, decade after decade, they carry this. And it becomes just a component of their life that is so heavy. It's like a cloud. And they soothe over it. They drink. As soon as the emotions get too high, dude, I just, I just I got to drink. I, I, I got to do this. Soon as I'm able to identify that, reframe and re-script the dialogue and actually extract what's empowering and you know who you became because of it and may, and made you aware of it all of a sudden these emotions start to come down these negative emotions that you see it they immediately start going huh huh ah. and that's when you know you're like okay i took you from a level 10 to a level 5 and we do this in about a month and so now they get they get what they want which is give me that instant Give me, that, give me that instant kind of fix sort of a deal. But the truth of the matter is this. The truth of the matter is this. Anything that you do has, an, has a time frame or has a useful, a, 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 what's, what's the term you used to go? Like a, a, a lifespan? Lifespan. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if I work the 12 steps effectively, and I, dude, I did it. I did the 12 steps. Now I'm out. I'm carrying the message, blah, 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 blah. It has a time span of that sort of like really, I feel fulfilled. There's the word. I feel fulfilled. We do this process. It's go, it also has a fulfillment lifespan. If I don't continue to grow in my life, if I do not continue to expand on yeah. this, at some point, I'm going to find myself unfulfilled. And those emotions could come back. Wow. Is this making sense? It's making perfect sense, man. There's obviously a lot to unpack there. But, okay, I'll start with this. You're, I think it's very brave of you to talk about some of the things which I feel the 12 steps are, I think failing is the wrong word, but the language is tough. I think for some people reading that book is a deterrent. Um, you know, just a, a, another like little sidebar. Um, I was listening to a podcast with the Russell Brand and his book, which I haven't read, but one of the, the notes on it is that it's like new age language for old proven concepts, which say what you want about it. There's people that go like it's written that way for a reason. It's perfect. For some people, it it probably is, but the statistics are low. And maybe language has a is a reason to do that. I personally think it's worth exploring. Um, well, you know, whatever that means, time will tell. Um, next, you you talked about looking for something else and. Gosh, I think even the last time we we did a podcast together when I was on your show, the same concept came up, but the big book was a real impact on me. 
It absolutely was. But even more than the big book, there's a book called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, which when I read that, I just understood that like I was crushing myself with all of these reasons why I was telling myself that like, I can never do that. That's for somebody else. That's not for me. And believe it or not, like, you know, I, I live a really good life and I'm happy, but I still struggle with those thoughts all the time. You know, all the time. It's just now like I almost have armed myself with the tools to combat all of those things. So what I say really is that's why having other people around me is important because like I never want to go one-on-one with me, you know, there's only one way that works. So like I'm always looking for an unfair fight, you know, and that's why like I think those support mechanisms (laughs) are really good. Um, (laughs) I'm looking for an unfair fight. Well, I I heard it. Tim Kennedy, he's like an ex-MMA, he's an MMA fighter and he's an army ranger. And he was talking about how he learned uh, totally different dynamic. Obviously, he's talking about war, but he said that that's like a big misconception about military guys is they like to just battle. It's like, that's never what we're looking to do. We're looking for the most lopsided victory possible. And uh, when he said that, I was like, yeah, like maybe that's how I should approach like my own demons, you know, and like my own, (laughs) like my own worst enemy, which is the guy that, that spins up in my head. And the more I thought about it, I was like being surrounded by other people is the best way to like stack the odds in, in spiritual Tim's favor, you know? uh, Real quick, real quick. Are you talking about the interview with Tony Robbins and Russell Brand? Yeah, I am actually. Brilliant, brilliant interview. And it's a brilliant person. Dude, the controversy, the controversy is because of this. It's language. It's, it's this idea that you can't change this. Fuck you, I can't change this. I just did. And not yeah. only did I change it, but there's people that actually are benefiting from it. Man, even just saying that is such a big deal. Of course it is. But I'm, I'm in no position to tell people what's right or what's wrong. I just, I'm concerned. I'm from Philadelphia. I don't know if there's a whole lot of places in the country that have been hit harder with the drug and overdose epidemic. My father, I mean, he, he's gotten a lot more involved with um, kind of mental health issues for emergency responders because he's been a, a paramedic for the last 20 years. And uh, I, I can't tell you how many 22-year-old dead kids he's had to pick up. And it, it, it's really Massive. the last two years, like, really, really affected him and has had a really um, devastating impact on just the emergency responder community as a whole. So, you know, to me, I have these solutions. I have things that have worked for me. And... All I keep hearing about is like more and more kids that I went to school with overdosing. Last year, I think it was six from my graduating class. I graduated with 147 kids, you know? So it's like, there's gotta be like some pit point where we're able to sort of look at what we're doing and think, okay, maybe there's another way. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And just saying that, why does it become so... You know, it's, 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 it's the attachment. Think, mm-hmm. about, think about the Buddha. 
think about the Dalai Lama, right? Mm-hmm. Attachment. Attachment. Suffering. And, and Western, Western civilization thrives on attachment, yeah. thrives on it. It owns you. And so once it starts to, once, and, and here's the, the thing with me, it wasn't so much about anything else. I started to feel the walls of dogma closing in on me. And there is nothing that triggers me more than dogma. Mm. I get triggered hard. My mother's a Jehovah's Witness. Okay? The religious cult that just ruined my childhood. Like, I got a resentment in my, my, my fourth step is riddled with the religious resentment and resentment towards God, resentment towards the religion, resentment towards the people in her faith, resentment towards my mom because she chose that over me. It was just this giant ball of resentment. And when I feel it, dude, I get triggered hard. So that was for me when I started to hear other people like pushing against it. I was like, I can get behind that, man. I, I, I could totally get behind this, right? And I will say this because this is, you know, this is sober nation. This is about recovery. Listen to me closely. If you do, I got clean and sober narcotics anonymous. Uh, so I did it in the 12 step working guide, 12 steps, 12 steps. That was just me. Mm-hmm. That's how I did it. I will say this to anyone. It works like fucking magic. It is the most incredible life-changing thing it, and it's free and you've got somebody walking you through it who's done it before i mean think about what people pay for coaching and rehab and therapy and here you got this guy who's already gone through it and says just do what i tell you and you're going to have a life beyond your wildest dreams all true 100% undeniable stand behind it did it, been there, done that, 100% true, okay? The only thing that I am bringing to the surface is the fact that what I feel is bringing the low numbers down, which should be much higher. Free resource, free guide. Seriously. Mm -hmm. I mean, it should be 100%, right? But it's 10. It's got to be the language. I think... I got to be careful because, wow, like we could just go back and forth on this all day, but. Well, it doesn't got to be. It could, it's a possibility. It it, it certainly is a possibility. And (laughs) I I think that's like a, a, a big deal, a big distinction. But the other thing that I like to tell people is the steps are such a good place to start. Yes. Because it's like really is more than just recovery. It's like a guide. Mm-hmm. for living and a yes. guide for like handling problems. But I think the problem becomes even a lot of people that like didn't necessarily get, get clean, get sober, didn't quote, get it from the steps mm-hmm. still have gone through it and have found value from them. I yes. think like the real problem becomes when it's like, this is the way mm-hmm. and you shouldn't do anything else because this is the thing that works. And, uh, Maybe it's because in my heart, I'm kind of an anarchist. You know, maybe it's that. Um, 
for for me, I just want people to do what makes them feel right. And if it's the steps, then good. And if it and if it's not the steps, then good. But like, go for it. You know, that's kind of just my message. Like, get after it, because there really is like I think a good place to sort of wrap this conversation up because you said it in the beginning and it really touched me. There's nothing holding you back. You know, like that. Those were those kind of self self uh, diminishing nothing. beliefs that yes. reading that book, Thinking Grow Rich, really really taught me. Where it's like a full world out there with unlimited possibilities. And the yes. only thing that can really, really just hold you in that cage of like a, a emotional and mental anguish is just this thing, you know, that those, that shit that spins upstairs that tells you that tells you that you're not good enough. And my dream for this podcast is to find people that have done what it takes to show other people like you are good enough because I've thought that shit too. And this is where I've ended up. No question about it. No question about it. If you're thinking the imposter syndrome is a real thing. It's this little voice that's constantly telling me I can't do this. I can't do that. I'm compa- it compares me to everybody else. It tells me I'm too slow and too short and nobody cares about what you have to say. It's this whole, it's, it's this, you could call it the ego, alter ego, whatever the case may be. But until you are around the right people, Mm. people that will tell you, dude, Tim, you're a rock star, bro. Like, I love what you said. And dude, that's amazing insight. And I totally needed that. Until somebody says that to you, well, some of us will go, ah, dude, that was no big deal. No, 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 whatever, dude. No, I mean, I'm just, I'm not all that, right? I want to completely diminish this beautiful compliment that somebody has paid me. That's, that is all part of the imposter syndrome. I need to be around the right people. They're going to, number one, really, really highlight my potential, my gifts, my talents, the impact that you have in their lives, those are the people you want to be around. They're also the same people that say, hey, dude, I think you're starting to drink from the oh Kool-Aid. Something's going, something's off here. Feeling yourself think, a little bit. Yeah, I think yeah. something's going, something's a little off, man. You need to check your temperature, right? <laughs> you check your temperature, right? Like there is, there is certainly those are the people that you want. And this is what Tim's talking about. I feel like something's been missing in my life and really, it's just a few things. Connection, real connection with real people, having is. real conversations. Yeah. And with that, what that allows me to do is it allows me to grow because we're having a conversation. We're going back and forth. I forgot about that. Oh, that's cool inside. Oh, I'm growing. And then I'm able to take that connection and that growth, and I'm able to contribute on a higher level to the world, which makes me feel good. Makes me, it gives me significance. It gives me purpose. It gives me passion. It gives me like drive to go out. I was like, dude, that was a great conversation I had with Tim. I'm going to go get on another one. And that momentum that builds is the same momentum that will build and spiral downwards when I'm with the wrong people. I'll have a negative conversation and I'll then, oh, dude, what's it worth? And dude, you know what? See, I was right. Life sucks. 
what's the point? It really boils down to what's coming in. Yeah. Is it good stuff or is it bad stuff? Man. <laughs> Omar, this one, I feel great about this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I miss this shit, man. Like, yeah, I, dude. I, I, I miss it a lot. Um, okay, before we sign off, uh, it's important to me that, uh, like I said, I've seen you. I've gotten to know you. I see the work that you do. I see like the change that you've made in people's lives. So before we sign off, make sure you tell people where they can find you if they're interested in like some more resources, some more coaching type dynamics. Um, just tell it. Tell everything about you. There's really the easiest way to find me. Two ways: you either type in thesharepodcast.com. Share is spelled S-H-A-I-R. It stands for Sharing Helps Addicts in Recovery. So that's one way. Or just go to omarpinto.com. It's got how to connect with me. It's got my coaching. It's got also access to the podcast. That's the easiest way. And then that'll plug you into all my social media. Instagram, Facebook. I hate Twitter, but I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, man. Um, you know, Omar, you've really helped me. Um, this conversation alone was proof that when anybody, but I'll speak for myself, spends too much time thinking about themselves, that's like the perfect recipe for being discontent. And when I think about other people and when I think about ways that, like you said, I can contribute to the world mm -hmm. is really when like I feel best. And ironically is when like abundance comes back to me you yes know, helping other people get what they want is a way to get what you want and uh man i just thank you so much for being on my show omar i really really appreciate it i love where you're going with this buddy i love thank where you. you're going i have a lot mad respect for you you know thank i you. do and yeah. love likewise man um all right omar pinto everybody We'll talk to you next time. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, don't forget to sign up for our weekly newsletter at SoberNation.com. If you want to learn more about me, it's TimStods.com, T-I-M-S-T-O-D-Z. Love you guys. Talk to you next week. Peace. Peace.